I'm Mitch LaFon from Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. You are listening to the Shouted Out Loud cast with Tom and Zeus. Listen, I preferred when Jerry was part of the team, but hey, whatever. This one's unholy. If you people want a little bit of rock and roll, I said if you people want a little bit of rock and roll, shout it out loud! What's up there, Kisami? It's Tom and Zeus with another episode of Shout It Out Loud Cast. Episode 71. Titled, Martin Popoff. Woo! Can you believe that? Martin Popoff decided to come join us too. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, that was definitely a good uh, a good get for us. A great interview with a... Uh, very well respected uh journalist in rock and metal so good one for sure yeah what's Absolutely. going on there buddy you staying alive we are staying alive enjoying this time at home not uh <laughs> we are uh trying to get to a point where this isn't like groundhog day right well it's groundhog day again yeah pretty much agreed yeah i know but thank god for uh Social media and podcasting, et cetera, et cetera, to keep people uh, semi-sane, I guess. Exactly. Um, it's been a nice little thing for us, a uh, little relief to get away, to be able to talk about KISS and rock music. And uh, this was a, an exciting an interview for us. Uh, but let's get back into the episode. Uh, so what did we, uh, what's going on in KISS world? Big news. Um just I I think it I'm assuming it broke today. I just did. I didn't hear a word about it until today. But we're recording on Wednesday, uh, May thirteenth. Kiss cruise postponed. But what was even shocking? I don't think the postponement of the Kiss cruise was shocking. What was quote unquote shocking? A year, October twenty twenty one. Right, buddy. Now, how yeah. are you? De- how are you dealing with this? Because you were, you I'm were locked and loaded. I'm happy. I'll be honest with you because I felt like um, the the part that was troubling is like everything was going to be up in the air. Uh, you got to make the payments, and then you're not sure you're going to go. There was all those stories about the place going bankrupt, the yep. the uh, cruise going bankrupt. As a bankruptcy attorney, good luck getting your money back when they file for bankruptcy. With Joe Schmo and the rest of the people looking to get a refund on their money they spent. Uh, this way. I'm certain I'm going to go. They're going to do it in a year and a half. That's fine. I don't want the anxiety of going on the cruise, worrying should I be going, having friends and family worrying about us and the band and everybody else. It's put away. By that point, we'll either all be dead or this will be cured. Or at least there'll be a vaccine for it. So it won't be, you know, like where people will be able to be relatively safe. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Plus, if you keep your uh, ticket, they're giving you a free beverage. I'll take it. Are you shitting me? One free beverage? Yeah, I get one. I get one little paper uh, ticket. This is good for a Gene Simmons from Kiss, Bloody Mary. Um, exactly. It is uh, no. I suppose that you get a free beverage package. With, That's pretty uh, good. It, keeping it. 
I will keep my tickets. I will go the following year. I, I said it to the group text. I said, great. Now I got a year and a half to convince Tom to go. And then, and, and, you, and, and what did and you say? My, and my response was, what is it going to happen in a year that was going to change over the last 10? Although, uh, although I didn't, I didn't say this in the group text next October is my 20th wedding anniversary. Dude, what could say I love you more than let's go watch a bunch of fucking degenerates fight over a bad view spot on a deck full of coronavirus to watch Kiss perform Love Gun for the two millionth time? I know what would be a good selling point. What better way to set, spend your 20th anniversary than with me, Zeus, some German housemaid in our room? <laughs> And get to watch Paul Stanley read bedtime stories in his footy pajamas. <laughs> and well, we have, uh, and we would also have Danny, uh, yep. Sonny's brother, with us. Yep. Maybe we convince the other guys to jump on and come join us as well. Throw a couple of them overboard, and we'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. Some of them will could take the Vinnie Vincent package, Tom. The Vinnie Vincent cruise hasn't been canceled. I think the uh, the, the the Vinnie Vincent catamaran cruise I think is still happening there at the uh, Mystic River over in Medford. I think that's happening this summer. <laughs> Vinnie plays an acoustic set and then he's gonna mop up the fucking stern and then he'll come back to finish up and run the concession stand before his uh, before his last concert outdoors. He's responsible for taking everybody's temperature before they board the ship. But we're, we're not going to but he but we're not going to clarify which which version of the temperature Vinny is going to be taking for everybody. <laughs> Where he's putting that thermometer. Um so yeah, the cruise is canceled for now, postponed I should say. I'm okay with it. I uh, I feel like I will get my thrill. They'll probably make it up to us. I just hope Fozzie and Rat and well, if you go, Queen's right. Um, and those bands still like, yeah, we want to go. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, I wish that it would be a hundred percent penciled in, but I'm not worried about it. I, I think that uh by that point they'll still have some pretty good second guests to go with them. So fans yeah, out there, don't worry too much about it. Kiss Cruise is continuing, it's just postponed for now. Yeah, I, I would I would be surprised if those bands don't stay on i mean it's it's there's plenty of time for them to make those arrangements you know what i mean to stay on on board with it so yeah because you're right that that's a kick-ass lineup of secondary bands you yeah, know it really yeah, is exactly in addition to that hold um, on real quick before you, hold yeah. on real quick before you jump onto the next thing so just to kind of piggyback on with the can or the, or the, the postponement of the cruise i know we've kind of talked about this a little bit too and you see with the way that Gene and Paul like sending out their tweets, you know, saying how, you know, we want everybody to be safe and we, we miss our fans. And I'm, I'm still up in the air about whether or not we're ever going to see them tour again. I mean that like, oh, I believe like, it. I believe it. I hope because now I mean, it makes sense, Tom, because the best thing that's possible, they, they're going to take a year maybe or half the year off that this pushes it to the year 50. Cause you know, they're going to do something when they get to the 50 year anniversary. That would make sense if they were like forty-five years old. There are Paul and Gene are already like seventy. Paul's in great shape. Gene's pretty good. I know. And stuff, I know. and the other two are in great shape too. I hope. You know, I, hope. I, I hope. What I worry about is an Ace or Peter drops dead before this happens. If Ace hasn't dropped dead yet, he'll be like Keith Richards. He's not going anywhere. I was so drunk. All I wanted was a fillet of fish. 
I, I'm not sure what happens, but I feel like um, there this might be a mixed blessing that this got postponed. Maybe you so, might be right. I hope. I, obviously, now they're going to have to reschedule that final show because that was for next July. So who knows when that's going to be? Maybe July 2022. But yep. like you said, just keep keep delaying it until it's the 50th anniversary. I don't um, know. The other thing about this is uh, what else happened uh, this week was that um, Gene had the uh, interview with Senator Scott Brown. Senator Scott Brown was from Massachusetts, and then he ran again in New Hampshire later on and lost. And then he became the ambassador to New Zealand, I think in Samoa too as well. I didn't realize, I know he's my senator, I didn't realize what a big Kiss fan he was. I knew lately he's been talking about being a big hair metal fan, but he was totally fanboying with Gene. He was like he he had a kiss room at the embassy wherever he was in his house there. I, I, I could not believe him. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe that. That was amazing. Yeah, that was crazy. And the funny part about it is he was totally like, "Hey Gene, now I have this. Hey Gene, I've got this too. Um, did you see this?" And at one point, Gene was talking about his new book that's going to come out. There will be the size of a, you know, I don't know what he said, but some huge coffee table book of all the. You know posters that I got. That's right. Um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because that was a story too. Scott Brown was like, "Oh, like this poster," and he pulled out some like rock concert poster, and it was like Kiss yep. with a couple other bands like this. He's like, "Um, no, not like that." <laughs> He's like, "No, these are just Kiss ones." Right. Right. Like, oh, okay. It's so uncomfortable. This but is was- Gene Simmons <laughs> from Kiss, and yeah. this is our poster book. <laughs> this is Scott Brown, ambassador <laughs> from New Zealand. Uh, let's just um, stop. Uh, if, if Kiss puts out a poster book, that, what, is it going to be like fucking five hundred bucks? Like you know, like or he made it sound like this thing was huge. Of course, it's probably going to be like, like the like you know, like some fucking ancient text that you well, need. Like, I, fucking... I got called in to help him out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's what he I was, was talking yeah, about. Post a post a consultant. If you look at the credits at the back page, it says consultant. That's me. Yes, and I took some photos as well. Um, the uh, poster thing, and then it was also Eric Singer's birthday. Happy birthday, the, Eric Singer! So I'm with the Catman, right? <laughs> yeah, a good friend, Jeremy Wright. Right? Not Mike, Jeremiah Mike. Wright. <laughs> he was riding dirty. Jeremy White, <laughs> not Jeremiah Wright. Good friend of the show, <laughs> Reverend Jeremiah. <laughs> I like them kids. Bill did us just like he did Monica Lewinsky. He was riding dirty. <laughs> Jeremy White, big difference. Oh, he excited. We we went back and forth a little bit about. Uh, he was, you know, he's a young guy, doesn't know the difference. Like, oh, this is the best cat man. I'm like, dude, sh- just stop, stop. See you getting all bunged up for them making you wear these kind of clothes. Uh, hey, look, it, Jer- uh, Jeremy, cat man is not, you can say he's maybe the best drummer, artistically drummer, or like that. There's not a better cat man. There's only really one. He's playing the role now. Oh, yeah, but listen to the way he plays. That's. Dude, it's more than playing. If I want to listen to, then what's the point of listening to Ace? Or what's, uh, if, if I know that Jimi Hendrix is out there, what's the point of listening to, 
uh, Paul Stanley, if I know that uh, Elvis sings too. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. It's someone's got a style in a, and, and it works in the band. In addition to that, Peter's not so much the drummer. He's also the voice back there that I believe is the best voice in Kiss. Okay. And he was part of some of the greatest songs of Kiss. Talking Kiss drummers is a very, very, that's one of the few, like, member debates that people really get into because people say Eric Carr, people say Eric Singer. I don't think anybody's going to say Peter Chris was the best drummer, quote unquote. Some people think that is. Yeah, right. That's fine. But in terms of skilled, in in terms of technique and skill, it's Eric Singer. I mean, I don't know about that. I I put that into Joey's Casada. says i've had we've had this conversation with him yeah. he still swears by peter he says like it's a different style doesn't have to be um you know or who hits the hardest or who did this he felt that peter in the 70s worked with kiss better oh, no, than no, the no, other he one. did oh no he, he absolutely he did, said but... that and now everybody's got a different style i get it it's fine we can well, have this debate some point later on about best kiss drummers and probably it's a great point to have joey on with us someday to do that well, um all well, i'm saying say, uh, is like, yeah, there's more gonna, uh, to it than just the drums as right. part of kiss you got oh yeah sing. Oh, right and i was gonna say hopefully we can get jeremy on and you know we 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 interact with them on social media, so we'd love to have them on to talk kiss and and carry on about this discussion too. So yeah, hopefully in the and maybe preach while he's conducting church services on Sunday. Oh uh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah Wright. Yeah, there was that photo of Eric, and I had to oh send God, because poor little Richard passed away. That's I right. like Little Riches. I like his stuff back in the 50s and stuff. Yep. Uh, obviously, the trailblazer he is. Some idiot decided to call him the king. Shut the fuck up with Little Riches the king. Dude, I saw a lot of people saying that on social media. I saw more than one people. I'm like, who the fuck would call Little Richard the king of rock and roll? Great nobody. guy. Like Nobody yeah, exactly. would say that. He's, he's one of the founders. Absolutely. The true founder to me really is Chuck Berry. Encapsulate everything about... The spirit, the mu- the lyrics, the fun, the craziness. Elvis yep. came out and popularized it. He didn't come out before Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry was first. Right, um, right. But that's who I think did it. I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent here. No, I know. But the thing is, I kept seeing that, and I'm like, shut the fuck up, because it's now cliche and easy to say, oh, Elvis stole, or oh, Elvis isn't the biggest. Get the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. Okay. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck. Nothing touches Elvis. And anyway, um, but the reason I'm bringing it up is there was the picture of Kiss with Little Richard. And I happened to cut off the photo and and crop it and send it to you guys. And I'm like, this photo is exactly why there's like, what's wrong with Eric wearing the cat makeup? It doesn't fit his face. Remember we talked about that? And then his... And his wig. Where did you get that dress? It's awful. And those shoes and that coat. Jeez. Just looks silly. Like silly. Silly. Nobody can tell them. Like they can't tell that it looks ridiculous. They don't I care. I think the makeup doesn't fit his face because he's got a real pudgy face. He look he looks like little Peter from the Cosby show. You know Peter, Daddy. He lives across the street. You're Peter from across the street? I had to fucking, I took that little snapshot of Peter. I'm like, yep. 
from the Cosby show grown up into be Eric Singer. But it just it doesn't match the face, you know, it's bloated and stuff. And then the wig, it just oh we talked about that before a while back. We talked about how it, it the shape of his face, the shape of his mouth. The, yeah. Just the, the the contour of his cheeks when he puts that Catman makeup on it, it just and like you said, the 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 wig is just a disaster. Like Tommy, look, you say what you want about Tommy, but Tommy looks awesome as the spaceman. He really yeah. does. Yeah, he does. He, Eric, fits. yeah, Eric just looks. It 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 looks it's just silly looking. Silly, silly. The poor guy. Yes. It doesn't help that he's so much shorter than everybody in the band. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's a right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just it just looks awkward. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. Um, last episode. Once again, we'd like to thank all you people out there, all our listeners. Uh, the week before, I told you guys after Detroit Rock City, we had the highest downloaded episode in our history. Well, guess what? You guys did it again. Not only did it beat last week's, it beat it quite significantly. It, it, I don't know if it's the topic. I don't know if it's, you know, viewership is picked up or what, but we really appreciate it. Um, it's kind of, a, it's kind of growing at a very quick pace these days. The topic was awesome. We got a shitload of feedback on Paul Stanley's solo album. Do you want to read some of the feedback we got from Facebook? Oh yeah, and just to piggyback what Zeus just said, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, like we like we always say we do this cuz we're Kiss fans, but we do this for for you guys too to get involved. It's a it's a group thing here doing this. So, um <clears throat> the Paul Stanley episode was was huge. People album review episodes, people like those. I mean, as as somebody that listens to a bunch of other podcasts, I love listening to album reviews cuz you you listen to other people's opinions and you form your own opinion, but so f- things f- some things on Facebook um Lemmy Blackmore he says yeah. I was I was late to come around on this one as well it didn't stop me from buying it 6 times so far wow. cassette and first issue of CD are long gone unfortunately I always had Ace as the clear numero uno too close to call now but hold me touch me is like a pimple on the face of posh spice it shouldn't be there. It's a complete distraction, but he's saying the shit out of this record, fuckos. Yeah, yeah. We have, uh, do you have any more, or do you want me to? Yeah, we got, I know yeah, you got one, a ton, but I'm No, another one from uh, Steve Cavico, one of the most criminally underrated rock records of all time. Mark Arnold says, great album, not my favorite solo, but very good. Um, another one from Dave Sky, the second best of the four. A lot of people still hanging their hat with Ace, even though they, they everybody loves this album, but they're still saying, um, Alessandro Rohr, a masterpiece, Elaine Joubert, super album. Um, and then I'll, and then we got one from our buddy David over in Italy. Who? David Zanet, the child, Paisana. He <laughs> says, fantastic episode. What to say? Paul immersed himself in his nature makes us understand how much love lived within him for the band. He likes saying, this is me, this is all myself. The sound of the album is a perfect compromise, a complete record in its being. Paul was in- was incredible because he believed his idea to the end, and he has always been the soul of Kiss. But then he goes, why? Why hold me, touch me? <laughs> uh, and then he talks about Bob Kulik's incredible guitar work and all the solos. So yeah. we love hear- we love hearing from David. And then one last comment from uh our one of our big fans, Kevin Jepson. I've yeah, been waiting Kevin. for I've been 
I've been waiting for this one. For me, a top five Kiss record. This would be an absolute perfect album if it wasn't for that hot, steamy pile of shit. Hold me, touch me. What the fuck, Paul? He says, yep. I would rather have Sonny Pooney read me sultry descriptions from the Adam and Eve catalog or be taken out by a swarm of murder hornets. <laughs> he said um, that this, one last thing. He says, when I did a meet and greet with Paul on the Kiss Cruise, I was going to ask him what the fuck was he thinking by releasing that as a single, oh. but I didn't want to get suicided in my cabin. <laughs> Another stellar episode, gentlemen. <laughs> Wow. Yep. That's so, just great. Awesome stuff. Um, so we got some stuff on Twitter, of course. Tom Dust, fantastic episode from for a fantastic album. Thank you, gentlemen. I needed this today. Oh, Darius Green, another great episode. You guys are quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Joel Hoffman gave a bunch of stuff. He couldn't stop commenting that day. And even said, <laughs> like, I don't know, I usually don't comment that much. Um, but you know, aces is good. He writes here, but overrated. My opinion tonight, you belong to me alone blows away. The other three solos. If kiss never existed, Paul could have had a very successful solo career and a lot more respect than he gets with kiss from the critics. Yeah. Um, Jack broad Zeus is the only person that I've heard say that goodbye was resurrected from the ashes of keep me waiting. hundred percent. Correct. Sparky. Um, Deuce gives his ratings He always does on these episodes uh, I love w- that he does that Unmasked uh, Oh no no this is uh, that was the album He did he ranked our albums too as well Which yep. I love um, Save Rock and Metal This should have been a Kiss record Basically the dumbest idea ever to release Olo albums after the best first six Albums ever completely destroyed Kiss somebody needs to do a complete albums Of covers from the Kiss solos and release it Maybe Timberlake I like Justin Timberlake, but I don't know if I want to hear him do Kiss songs. Yeah. Uh, and then our good friend Murph. I'm going to get to know this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Murph. We love this. Yeah. And there's a ton more. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, what do you call it there? Our good friends over at uh, Pot of Thunder. We voted Move On, a Stone Cold Kiss classic. What the fuck is that? Look, we love the guys from Pot of Thunder, but they also voted Read My Body as a Stone Cold Kiss <laughs> classic. So, <laughs> Oh, I found the track. Zo- uh, Deuce had Wouldn't You Like to Know Me is his number one. Okay. Um, so we also got, and we get these from time to time, a text from uh, our buddy Chris Jericho. So Jericho, from time to time, and at all crazy hours of the night, uh, <laughs> Texas stuff and uh, sometimes It's about the episodes Sometimes it's kiss thoughts or non-kiss Thoughts but this time he texted Us he was talking to us about the album Obviously and he texted us His rankings of the songs from The Paul Stanley album what it, what was His rankings again Tom do you have the text there Yeah so he gave us his uh, His rankings so number nine of course Hold me touch me uh, Number eight love and chains Seven ain't quite right six move On Five, it's all right. Four, goodbye. Three, take me away. Two, tonight you belong. And one, wouldn't you like to know me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a pretty good list. It's pretty consistent. What I think, what me yeah. and you have. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Like I said, he does that from time. It's a, it's an effing riot. His texts <laughs> <laughs> are pretty cool. But uh, in addition to that, and it's kind of breaking. And he told us. 
He gave us a hint, but he didn't tell us what it was. Uh, yes. been, he said, you're going to really dig this new project I got coming out. Well, yep. it's been kind of the cats out of the bag. And he's got a, a basically a kiss cover band slash album coming out. And they're calling it quarantine with, with a, a K. K. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quarantine with a K. Yeah. <laughs> this is Chris Jericho from quarantine. <laughs> And uh, in the album, uh, they had a like a cover of the album, and it's them with like the whole crazy nights theme, yep. right? Yep. By the time oh, they that- by the, by the time they hear this episode, they'll probably have seen. It, but we did sh- we did share it on our social media, and you're right, they did like their version of the Crazy Nights album. Yeah. And the first single from that is from the Crazy Nights album. You don't like it? I like the song. Look, never not just for Bruce's awesome guitar work. The song's No, No, No from Crazy Nights. And that is being released today, I think. Yeah. Um, and But Bruce's guitar work is incredible on it. And I think I, I've heard a portion of it. It's fucking awesome. Chris does a great job. So is the whole band. I know Jericho loves Crazy Nights. And so do I. I, it's, I do love that album. And I know it's much maligned. But Jericho, you're, <laughs> you're starting off with No, No, No. It's just... it. Oh, I mean, it's going to be great. I'm going to listen to it, but I can't believe he didn't start off with my way. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it surprising that he's doing crazy nights, Eric kiss, yeah. but he's not doing a Paul song. That's what, I don't, with. that's what yeah. I don't understand. Cause he, he loves Paul and he loves crazy nights, but he's doing no, no, no. It's interesting to say the least, but I don't yeah. know. One other thing is this Saturday he's doing well, when this plays that evening, he's doing quarantine will be on his Saturday night Facebook live show. That's going to be Bruce is joining him for that too. If that's the case, if that is, if that's confirmed, that will be insane. <laughs> that is must. Yeah, so it, it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait. Um, I think that sounds like an awesome project. Uh, you know, Chris can do it. If you've listened to him, do the version on that kiss tribute album of King of the nighttime world, you know, he can do it. You can do it. Yep. Um, so, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to hearing what quarantine has to do, say and do. Absolutely, it's just it, like we like we always say, it's just more creativity and more content from people that we're fans of. Jericho, he's just so smart with what he he knows that people want music and entertainment, and and especially Kiss. Like it's just he's just so creative, and you just wish more people were doing different things like this. I mean, what a great you know naming your band Quarantine with a K. You know, it just. <laughs> like that it's just it's awesome it's gonna be it's gonna be great yep absolutely yep we got some emails on the episode as well uh bill sharp gave us his top 10 ranking emailed that to us please feel free to give us emails like that as well mark stewart i can't believe you guys didn't touch on this but paul used his single his used to use his song structure after the other hits Proof, Hard Luck Woman, fashioned after Rod Stewart's Maggie May. I Just Want Her, fashioned after Summertime Blues. Hold Me, Touch Me, fashioned after David Soul's Deal, Don't Give Up On Us, Baby. Oh, my God. That's a good That's a good call right there. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's his comment from YouTube. YouTube. Yep. Um, and then I had to read this other one here, Tom. 
Mario Cordic. Hey guys, my name is Max and I live in Melbourne, Australia. All right. Just wanted to say that I love your podcast. Always entertaining, fucking funny. Love Paul Stanley's solo album. Always love it. To me, in the top five Kiss albums, love it. Nice. Paul Stanley is a killer, always has been. I know his voice is not what it once been. There's no chance his voice could be what it was in the 70s, 80s. He killed his voice for his fans and he's one, if not the best, frontman in rock history. Love the show. Keep up the good work. You know, I got a lot of shit for my ranking of Paul Stanley's. And you know how much shit I got? Our good friend Angelo decided to write me a nice, polite email to me. And what's the subject of the email? What the fuck, Zeus? (laughs) I agree to disagree with you, my friend, and actually with Tommy, too. I just don't get Paul Stanley's solo album. I read it last of the four. That is literally insane. (laughs) Like, that is not even an opinion. That is insane that you can be a Kiss fan and rank that last. Yep. Ace Paul, Ace Peter, Jeans, then Paul. I don't think I've ever heard anybody rank him like that. I can live with you both loving the album. I agree it closes, it's closest to a, I think he's trying to say closest, to a Kiss album. But I just don't like it. But in big capital letters, Tom, in red uh, writing, he switches now to red. Uh-oh. But what I can't live with is fucking Zeus putting this album before Dress to Kill. Yep. Dress to you Kill is a Mount you- Rushmore perfect album in my head. What the fuck, Zeus? I love you, but come on. Then he did this. And then I said to you, after I read this text, I'm like this email, I'm like, man, right. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Room service versus tonight you belong to me. Settle down, Paul. Two timer versus move on. Yeah, move on, Paul. Ladies in waiting versus ain't quite right. Like Zeus's head. Get away versus wouldn't you like to know me? Fuck no. Rock bottom versus take me away. Take me out of the first side of Paul's album. Oh my God. Come on and love me versus it's all right. No, it's not all right. Anything for my baby versus hold me, touch me. Get the fuck out of here. She versus love and chains. I don't even have a thing to say with this choice. Love her all I can versus goodbye. Shit. Paul says it all with the title of the song. And then he puts rock and roll all night with 2000 exclamation points. Enough said. These two albums are not even close to comparison. You guys are still the best. I love your podcast. It brings out the worst and best of me. Keep up the great work. Peace out. Girl Scout. Angelo. You did say that when you ran, you did say it. When you ranked Paul Stanley ahead of Dress to Kill, you even said, ah, but I take such a fucking beating for this. <laughs> I, that's where I have it right now. I can't explain it. But and, when you match up the songs, he's right. Because the worst thing that happens is he puts on Come Out and Love Me versus It's All Right. Yeah. Where then I'm like, hold on. That might knock it out. And then what am I stuck with? I'm like, uh, she's probably better than Love, her and, uh, Lo- uh, Love and Chains. I'm like. Well, I don't. Uh, I'm like, hold on a second. Wait, I don't rank it like that. I don't do it like that. I go, which album do I want to listen to more right now? Exactly. I agree. Yep. I get it. That's just me. Because I, I don't yeah. listen to it as much as I've listened to the other ones. Yeah. Um, I Guys, I mean, what can I say? We love the emails and the interaction. There's probably a few more in here, and we'll get to a couple of the reviews and, and stuff at the end uh, yep. of the episode. We got some more of those. But uh, thank you for the correspondence. We appreciate it. Yep. And then, uh, we also re- did a- and then, and then, go to- ahead. oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, and also we did a poll for best song. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We did the poll. 
uh, 50% of the votes went to tonight. You belong to me. That, that, that was pick. the big, that, that was the big winner. Uh, and the, the, the rest of the other three selections, which was, uh, wouldn't you like to know me? It's all right. And move on. Um, I think move on kind of came in last, the, but the other songs are all kind of middling, but tonight you belong to me. You ran away with it, taking 50% of the votes out of the four. Wow. Wow. So, yep. Yep. All right. So, well, now that we got ourselves all worked up, now what am I going to do, Tom? Uh, you know what time it is when you get yourself all worked up. Because free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then adamandeve.com loads on the free stuff. Enter promo code LOUDCAST at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. Ooh, and don't forget about the best part, six free spicy movies, plus free shipping. That's promo code LOUDCAST at adameve.com. Go there. Come on, yes. people. Go there. Absolutely. We um, joined Pantheon Podcast in August. Yep. Um, we've said this before. We always wanted to thank their social media director, marketing guy, all of the above, Daryl Albert. Daryl is a great friend of the show, uh, does a lot of our videos for us and a lot of the social media marketing. So eventually, once in a while on Twitter and Facebook, you'll see posts that say Pantheon Podcast, and it'll be about shout out. Those are Daryl's doing all that stuff for us. Yep. Um, he's a great guy, and uh, he's very creative. Well, when we first signed up and joined, he was mentioned, he's like, you guys realize we have Martin Popoff on here. And I'm like, oh, I know him. I've heard of him. And then you were fanboying out when I think that was the like the thing that put us over to be like, we need to do this. I was more aligned, uh, more uh, inclined to join. And I think you were like, I'm not sure. And then you saw that and you were like, I'm doing it. Let, let's do it. Yeah, um, I have been a, a Martin Popoff fan for a really, really long time. I have a bunch of his books. Um, he's a he's from Canada. He's a huge, huge Rush fan. Um, just put out his his brand new book about Rush in the seventies, and he has a, a series coming out with Rush in the eighties, Rush in the nineties. But he's written like books upon books about every, pretty much every rock and metal band you could think of. And then he has a bunch of like coffee table style reference books about histories and different things like that. Um, and he's in the podcast. I always rave about on Pantheon history and five songs where he picks a topic and uses five songs to illustrate that topic. Um, but it was great because having that Pantheon connection, we finally got the opportunity to, to have our schedules meet up and interview him or not really an interview, but just talk to him about kiss, which was great. Multiple reasons because and we we talk about this during the interview with Martin. He's never written a Kiss book. He's a fan of the band. He talks about them a lot. But to be able to sit down with him for about forty five minutes and just really pick his brain about Kiss and their place in the in rock music and what he thinks of their history and uh, it was just it was just awesome, you know, talking to somebody of his caliber and who's so well respected in the in the rock journalist world. So we were just very proud and happy to have him. Interview was more of a discussion. Yeah, and. You know, you guys will listen and we'll talk about it afterwards. So without further ado, we got a little surprise for you tonight. 
Martin Popoff. So we are thrilled to wel- welcome one of our most very special guests, uh, the premier rock journalist out there. If you're listening to us, hopefully you have heard of him and have read some of his books. He has authored numerous books on Rush, including his new one called Anthem about Rush in the 70s, books about Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, Metallica, Van Halen, ACDC, many, many more books in general about rock history. Um, he has helped out on one of the greatest metal documentaries called Metal, A Headbanger's Journey, and he worked on the amazing Rush documentary movie, Beyond the Lighted Stage. He's also responsible for putting together one of the best books that he's done, which is the Big Book of Hair Metal. And he's also a fellow Pantheon podcaster and host of the great show History in Five Songs. We welcome the the excellent Martin Popoff. Martin, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's very cool. Let's do it. Awesome. So we're excited to have you on. I own uh, a ton of your books, your DVDs, the documentaries that you took part in. Uh, so it's a thrill to have you on. And um, your background has covered so many different bands and, you know, your your reviews of records, your reviews of bands, etc. We had to take advantage of the fact that we're Pantheon brothers here and pick your brain about our favorite band. I've heard you comment about Kiss in the past. Um, you talk about them a lot in some of your books. Um, but we kind of want to dig deep into what you think about Kiss in general, um, their career, their tra- trajectory, their ups and downs, etc. Before we get into that, though, we're gonna I'm gonna hand it over to Zeus because every time we have a guest on, we have to get out our introductory Kiss questions. If you have a few seconds for this fun part, <laughs> sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and their name, the Murph questions after Tommy's college roommate Murph. Yep. Um, all the shout out loudcast uh, listeners know exactly who he is. So. Um, Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. What is who is your favorite Kiss member? I would say that would have to be Paul. I, you know, it's it's odd. I've never really thought about it very much, but uh, you know, there's positives and negatives to all of them. But uh, Paul just strikes me as the most, uh, I don't know, sincere at being in Kiss. I suppose. 
Good answer. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, favorite Kiss song? Ah, I'll go with Rocket Ride. Oh, excellent. Good, good heavy one, right? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Favorite Kiss album? Uh, boring answer for you. I'm going to go with Destroyer. I, I just really think everything came together. It's, it's the most serious one. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I like all the, all the, uh, peaks and valleys of that record. Okay. Okay. Um, how many Kiss concerts have you been to? Probably, uh, this is going to surprise you, but not very many. I would say in the region of, uh, one to three. Uh, wow, I'm not wow, sure wow. how many, uh, you know, it's, uh, the one I totally remember is the reunion era with the makeup 96 ish. Um, okay. honestly, I don't remember a single one past that. I'm not a big live album guy and I'm not a big concert guy. Once I've seen a band once or twice or three times, I'd never need to see them again. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Favorite kiss memory. This is actually a kind of a cool story. So, so basically, um, we had, I've, I've, I've mentioned this one a few times to people, but, uh, but we, we had a, um, we had, uh, one of our little, uh, elementary school dances in the basement of, uh, of my house, uh, our house where I grew up in, in trail BC and me and my, uh, partner in crime who totally were experts on music already at 12 years old. So this is 1975. Uh, <clears throat> we went to the dump and as, as, as you do <laughs> to look <at> this <laughs> and, uh, and right at the front, before he even got into the dump, there was this pristine box sitting there stacked high with April wine, 1974 tour posters of that really cool looking scary purple and uh, and black uh you know album cover of april wine live so we promptly took those back to uh to the rec room in the basement covered every single wall all the way around cutting out for light switches and uh, and uh you know power receptacles all the way around this poster put on this dance that evening or the next evening whenever it was so we're all dancing to the usual crap, you know, Elton John, Crocodile Rock, whatever, <laughs> Led Zeppelin. Uh, Bobby Davidson rushes through the door halfway through the dance with a copy of Kiss Alive. And we dogpile all on top of them, you know, like it's arrived in trail. The album is here. We dogpile on top of him. He's holding it out with his arm like this so it doesn't get trampled. Uh, <clears throat> basically, it turns into a Kiss Alive listening party. All the girls, you know hang their heads and shuffle out the door and we're all, we're all 12 years old right the dance is over it's now a kiss alive uh, listening party so that's my fondest memory that's now awesome that. that is very very cool that's a good that's a great story so kiss became a sausage fest basically in like like that basically put yeah on. 12 years gotcha. old that's yeah, so a good good sense. it's a good way to clear out all the ladies of the of the dance yeah so uh, for for a jumping off point here, it, it's the 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 timing is perfect because I just finished listening to the um, your recent interview with our buddy Mitch Lafon, who we've had on the show too to talk about Kiss. You know that was, that was a great episode. I'm the Rush fan of the group. Uh, Zeus is the non Rush fan of the group. Put it politely. Um, put to put it politely. So, but it was interesting listening to that in, that interview, and I thought this would be a, a good place to start. You said, and I, I I found it interesting that somebody of your background and you know respected journalist that yourself said this that other than the Beatles, no other band influenced people 
to pick up a guitar and get into rock and roll other than Kiss. Talk about yeah. that a little bit, because I, I, I believe that, but a lot of people who don't like Kiss don't believe that. Yeah. You know, that's just not my opinion. That comes from interviewing uh, 1,800 rock stars or 1,800 interviews, put it that way. 1,000 awesome. rock stars over 1,800 interviews. And uh, and I hear that constantly. I mean, people, just Beatles change their lives. If, if I'm talking to guys that are in their 60s and 70s, they remember Ed Sullivan changing their lives, right? If I'm talking to guys that are that are our age or my age, I'm 57 a few days ago, um, you know, the rock stars who kind of came up in in around 1980 through, you know, all our all our favorite thrash guys and all our favorite hair metal guys and all that stuff. Uh, so everybody our age, uh, Kiss changed their lives, joining the Kiss Kiss Army, Kiss Alive, Kiss Destroyer, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's not just a, it's not just my opinion. It, it's something I've come to from hearing it over and over again. I mean, basically that excitement level and and you know going out as Kiss guys on Halloween and all that stuff that all came up. It was Kiss mania for a while there, of course, right? All the merchandising, and everything, getting on TV. Um, but you know that that really will will inflame the rock and roll spirit of a of a of a twelve or thirteen or fourteen year old kid. It's just it's just you know the stage show was such a revelation to everybody, and these and these cool heavy metal powerful songs that were easy to understand as a fan and easy to play if you were picking up an instrument. That was the other thing. It was a it was a gateway band if you were just if you were just learning, it was, it was cool. Just kind of learning that stuff as you came up, you know, when I got my first set of drums, it was because of Peter Chris, I mean, or, or put it this way, I bought pearls because of Peter Chris. Right. Yeah. And the funny thing is I can't remember if they were white or they were black, but it was a nine seat, nine piece set of pearls. I'm uh, pearls. I'm pretty sure they were black. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was essentially, you know, Hey, Pete, Peter's the endorser of these. This is cool. Right. So, so all those things combined. Um, yeah, absolutely. I believe that Se- second to a uh, second to the Beatles in inspiring, uh, the rock stars we love. Yeah. And it's funny because I think for, for Zeus and I, we're 47. So we're, you know, we're younger than you. And we were, we were still, we were still kind of, you know, quote unquote, little kids when Kiss was hitting their peak. But for me and for, for, for Zeus as well, I, I, you know, it's the same thing. It kind of, it, it, it created where I went as a, as a rock music fan, because at the age of five, I would go to my cousin's house who was about, you know, eight or 10 years older than me and flip through his stack of LPs. And at that time, album art, um, was, was amazing, which by the way, if I can sideway for a little bit, your book fade to black about album covers is sitting right next to me, which is an amazing book. It's a terrific book, Yeah. but, but flipping through those, flipping through those albums and looking at album covers, like, you know, Boston, Molly hatchet queen, and then finally seeing the love gun as a, even as a five, six year old, it just captures you. You know, I was too young to learn to play, you know, pick up a guitar at that time. Um, but, but to hear that, you know, I was like, you know, it, it kind of validates, you know, sometimes kiss fans get a little insecure about the validation of the band that they love because there are so many people that hate them. Um, but to hear that I thought was, was really cool. Not just from you, but like you said, from your interviews, Zeus. So a couple things I'm same way with Tom. So you grow up with kiss, you learn them at five years old. I don't know what five-year-old is really getting into music. Like we did back then in the seventies. And we always joked that like, I got into them, you know, from, destroyer and on but by the time a little bit after uh dynasty i already outgrew them and i was seven years old and i guess oh that's 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 silly and i'm i'm not even 10 years old and i outgrew them and then you circle back and then you start remembering these childhood memories of this band that once dominated and so for me 
the one thing that I always think about when you talk about Kiss is you got all these bands that are, you consider the greatest American rock bands. Aerosmith, The Eagles, The Doors, Kiss. Amongst them, I, I try to think, I'm thinking out loud, only I would say The Eagles at one point were the biggest band. I don't think Aerosmith was ever the biggest band mm-hmm. in in the world or at least in the U.S. Kiss was. And so it's always kind of like that Hall of Fame type and, uh, you know, can translate it into sports like, hey, this guy had a great career. And for a couple of years, he was the best. Mm-hmm. For a couple of years, Kiss was the biggest band in the world. I don't think Aerosmith can claim that. I don't think um, the Doors could claim that back then when they were as big. But I think Kiss had that at one point. And that's why that influence yeah. is there. That's my opinion. Please, it's, I'd love to hear yours. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. Like, Kiss was the biggest band only in a certain way because Kiss is like, um, you know, j- just the way we know them now as, as the as the fast-talking New Yorkers, the promotion guys, you know, they, they um, pull back the curtain on Casablanca and how are the how are the numbers, right? You know, all that stuff. And, uh, and you know, we hire the helicopter and then he lands out of town and all, all you know, everything, <laughs> yeah, everything's run on a shoestring, right? So, so in a way... Kiss is the biggest band, but only in the way that they're like in the public consciousness and they're getting the most press. But just like um, just the same way. I I mean, I go through this thinking about Alice Cooper as well. I mean, those guys will boast. I mean, it is somewhat of a boast. But, you know, if you're going to be a big rock star, you you know, the story is better than the reality. Right. Alice Cooper, you know, says we were the biggest band in the world in (laughs) in 71, 72 and, you know, killer billion dollar babies. But, you know, if you look at if you look at the um you know the record sales and stuff like that i mean these bands are not that big they're gold and platinum bands right and rarely double platinum bands so so fleetwood mac might have something to say about who was the biggest band in 1977 after the fleetwood mac album and the rumors album right um you know the the eagles by far i mean where is Rolling Stones in '77, and uh, where is Led Zeppelin? They're they're both bigger than Kiss still. Oh, but English, you know, they're, they're, they're English. They don't have to. Yeah, okay. So you're saying American bands, um, yeah. and Ale, uh, uh, Aerosmith, both Aerosmith and Ted Nugent. You know what? Ted Nugent, I think, is actually selling more records than Aerosmith and Kiss during wow. this time. And we've forgotten about Ted Nugent, right? Yep. But yep. but Cat Scratch Fever and you know the the Ted album. The free for all album, Cat Scratch Fever, Into Weekend Warriors—they're all doing basically the same kind of business. Um, Blue Oyster Cult still pretty big, but Kiss, Kiss has smoke and leather and, yeah. and face paint, <laughs> and and they're superheroes. So this is why they're the biggest band. But it certainly isn't because of the record sales. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> right, I'm trying right. to say. It's it, you got the you got the tours, the concerts, the movies, the merchandise. And that's what I'm saying. That whole, you're correct. It, yeah. They're probably not selling more rock and roll over than, you know, Ted Nugent is selling his album. But the it's Kiss is the largest band. They bring the demand to put them on TV or get anything else. Um, I, that's where I, I see it. In, in, they had that area of dominance for a couple yeah. of years that yeah. not many bands had. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And re- I'm, I'm going to reference, um, again, your book, The Big Book of Hair Metal, which is what a spectacular book. I mean, if you love to read and you love to look at pictures and you love genre history, which is what I love, I, I, I go to this book all the time. I love it. 
And it brings up an interesting topic that involves, generally speaking, hair metal, you know, that genre which Zeus and I love, you know, the goods, the bads, the highs and lows. And in this book, it starts in the 70s and it kind of goes all the way through until, you know, kind of hair metal kind of phased its way out. But the common thread throughout that book is how Kiss kind of, you know, obviously kind of planted the seed to what became glam rock. You know, they were glam rock, but hair metal. And then it kind of segued into a topic that Zeus and I have, t- have covered too, whereas Kiss started out as leaders, as innovators, as creators, and then they became like followers. They became a true hair metal band in the 80s. So thoughts on, on how Kiss kind of led the way, then kind of followed the way, if, if you will, in terms of that hair metal, you know, 70s, 80s trend. Yeah, I mean, you you can only usually lead the way for a little while, and usually it's once. It's a golden moment. But the cool thing about Kiss in the um, in the eighties, you know, Zeus, you mentioned growing out of Kiss. I grew out of Kiss for two or three years, and then grew right back into yeah. them because I loved Lick It Up, and I loved it. Oh yeah, I loved Asylum. I I did not like uh, Crazy. What, what's it called? Crazy Crazy, crazy, nights. crazy nights. Crazy Nights or um, the Hot other in the Shade. Yeah, hot in the shade and crazy. So, so those two I did not like very much. Um, I found them a little bit thin and a little bit kind of anemic. This is the this is the period where where you know Gene's eye isn't on the ball and all that stuff. Blah blah blah. But those early ones uh, and creatures in the night to kind of lead the whole thing off. Uh, the cool thing is is they're one of the uh, one of the bands that uh, that gets a second life and they're in there participating uh in this whole thing now now they now you know the grand poobahs of participating in this and doing great turn out to be aerosmith they have this fantastic you know crazy career resurgence but kiss is there uh alice cooper comes back um you've got uh you've got bands like uh scorpions doing well and judas priest so so all these bands are in there doing this but but sure i mean kiss are are more or less followers um but they're doing a really good job, and they're making good records. I mean, uh, I, I, I think, I think Asylum is one of the, uh, you know, the the dark horses that people should talk about more. And granted, I, I definitely see that a lot of Kiss fans like it a lot. But that's my favorite produced albums of all of those. I, I think, I think the later ones, uh, you know, Hot in the Shade, it's, it's just, it seems cardboardy and boxy. Um, but uh, and even, you know, I, I'm not a big. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of the productions of uh, of um, of Lick It Up and and certainly Animalize it as well. I don't like the rhythm section stuff that's going on. I'm not crazy about the drumming. Uh, you know, I I don't. I'm not a big I'm not a big Eric Carr fan, right? Um, oh no, no, I'm not. I'm oh. not. I, I I don't like what the what the drumming does on on those records. But okay. having said that, I have a feeling he was policed somewhat. Uh, you know what to play on those. I mean uh, by. By basically, uh, you know, a production ethic and a Gene and Paul ethic and, and a strong sense of a song ethic. Um, so I think he's somewhat policed on, on what to do there. And even the drum sound is probably somewhat policed in favor of guitars. I mean, this happened in Ted Nugent's records as well. I don't I don't think Cliff certainly was allowed to play what he would have wanted to play. I mean, those Ted albums are some of the most behaved drumming you can imagine. And I think Eric Carr, unfortunately, is really he's got a leash on him like you wouldn't believe on those yep. records. Um, 
but no, I, I just I, I love the fact that, you know, uh, they're basically everything routinely is going gold and platinum again. You know, Kiss's Kiss's uh, two best selling albums are Smashes, Thrashes and Hits or whatever it's called and Destroyer. They're both they're both double platinum. Right. Yep, uh, that's yep. really cool to see that. Right. So and then and then there's also a platinum or two in there. I think there's two, maybe three and and everything else is gold. So it's really cool that they came back and had this second life. It's testimony, you know, to their staying power. And uh, and when you look back years and years later, you know, the positives and negatives of everything. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is you look back and say, wow, we, we really had a rich career. It's funny. You brought up production. So I wanted to pick your brain on this. So Kiss has had some legendary producers, uh, obviously different sounds production wise throughout their career. Um, so the ones that come up and I, I heard you say you didn't like the production on lick it up. I liked Michael James Jackson when he did the four songs off of killers. I liked the creatures of the night sound and I liked lick it up. I'm curious between him, some of the nineties, I mean, eighties stuff and, uh, Bob Ezrin and obviously Eddie Kramer and the, you know, the first two albums are legendary for being poor production. What are your thoughts on the producers uh, of kiss? Well, let's let's go through them, and I'll I'll be very brief on them if I can see if I can get them all in a row here. Um, yeah. So the first one I thought pretty pretty darn good for 1974. I got no problem with that. Second one, um, I thought uh, it's eccentric, but really cool that it is eccentric. Hotter in Hell for for 74. Dress to Kill, very pristine, uh, pretty good, pretty correct. A little low on bass, um, but otherwise I had no problems with it at the time. Alive sounds amazing. Um, Destroyer sounds pretty darn good, I think, you know, start to finish. I think you got good bass and treble on that. Um, yeah, you know, rock and roll over and love gun are a little on the, um, are a little on the economical side, a little bit mid range, I'd say, um, let's see, uh, the alive two stuff sounds great. Both the live and studio stuff, uh, dynasty, I don't think sounds particularly great Unmasked, I don't think sounds particularly great. So, so creatures lick it up and animalize. I kind of look at as uh, as sort of a group of this um, just very sterile. Um, ah, yeah, the drum sound. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's boxy. <laughs> it's pillowy. It's uh, it's cloistered. Um, Animal or Asylum, I think, sounds great. Uh, start to finish, just rich bass and treble throughout. Um, like I say, the next two, I think I, I, I sound boxy. I love the sound of uh, Revenge. I think yes. everything about Revenge is killer. It's yep. perfect sounding. Um, and so that's Bob Ezrin coming back. Yep. You know, Bob, Bob's a funny cat. I mean, I, um, you know, Deep Purple, I just interviewed two Deep Purple guys about the new Deep Purple album. And the last three Purple albums are all produced by Bob and they sound fantastic. Bob is more... I think Bob helps the guys on the song front more than anything because I think he's overrated when it comes to the Alice Cooper albums. I don't think any of those sound particularly good. Um, so Bob, Bob is a musical genius and he helps them get to get to things and get parts and stuff. But but I don't think uh, I don't think Bob should be talked about as this guy who gets beautiful sounding records. I don't think that's his thing. It's almost seems like a random accident when it happens. Um Obviously, he worked on Pink Floyd, The Wall, but that's probably a million people, including engineers, including Roger Waters. Um, uh, moving on, I think uh, I, I think Psycho Circus. Uh, well, Carnival. Well, okay, Psycho Circus first. Um, you know, I think it's a horrible album, um, but the production <laughs> is not that bad on it. 
It is a horrible think, album. <laughs> yeah, I think Carnival of Souls sounds great. I yep. love Carnival of Souls as well. I think it yes. sounds really good too. And uh, that only leaves the last two, right? The two of the Th- Tommy yeah. Fair era. So and I think both of those sound paper. great. And I and I actually like both of them quite a bit too. I, I think they're both really good albums. Um, yeah. And I think they both sound good. So so yeah, Kiss has been up and down over time. Um, but you can't really fault, you know. I I, I really wouldn't uh, I, w- I really wouldn't crap all over the first three um, because for their time uh, they were actually pretty good sounding albums. Ted Nugent had way bigger problems than than Kiss did. Aerosmith had some problems, uh, but not not too bad. So yeah, I, th- I think Kiss came out uh, came out pretty good in all this. Yeah, and, w- and when we're talking talking about production and even like some of the albums that you say, because I uh, Revenge is my favorite non makeup album. I think the songwriting is great. I think yeah. the production, I think Eric Singer sounds great. Uh, I think Gene is back full demon with some of his songs, especially on Holy is, is fantastic. I'm on record as saying I'm a fan of Carnival of Souls. Uh, I think one of the cliche things that a lot of people say is, oh, I don't want to hear Kiss do a grunge album or whatever. But the way I look at it is, and I say the same thing about Metallica all the time too. Metallica is my second favorite band other than Kiss. I don't have a problem with a band veering off and doing something different. You know, you see people who kind of who kind of cut the cord with Metallica after the Black Album and even more with Load and Reload. It's a band trying something new, but what they're trying still sounds great. It might not be the Metallica or the Kiss that you grew up with, but I think a ba- I think Kiss, you know, and it kind of leads me back to my original question about how Kiss was kind of following the trend a little bit cuz when Revenge came out, that's when bands started getting back to that stripped down rock and roll. You had the Black Album, you had the Use Your Illusion albums, you had kind of, you know, Hair metal was kind of getting a little bit more, you know, tough guy looking. The glam was kind of gone. Um, so even though Kiss was successful with that, I still think that that was kind of like their following the trend thing. You know, unfortunately, they stopped following the trends with Psycho Circus because that album is horrible, like you said. But I just think it's interesting to see the kind of the trajectory of their career. And just to comment quick on what you said about the drums, I'm on record as saying that although Creatures of the Night is a good album, I think it's tremendously overrated in my opinion. And I think the drums... That's the one thing I think that's polarizing. People love the drums. I think it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is a little overblown. I, I, you know, I want to mention about revenge too. I had an episode of my um of my podcast called History and Five. I, I can't remember the title of it. The, the podcast called History and Five Songs. The title of it was Go to Vancouver and Try Harder. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and I, I remember that one. I, yeah, I don't know if I included Kiss in that, but Revenge is their is their try harder album, as you say. You know, hair metal people are really getting fed up with it. Grunge has taken over, so if you're going to stay in that in the hair metal lane, which Kiss roughly did with Revenge, I think it's still their super super try harder album, and it's a fantastic album because they basically remain Kiss. Uh, but tried really, really hard to have great songs and great production and nothing too remotely silly on it. Um, you know, and if it is silly, it's more tongue in cheek. They're they're kind of la- they're they're in on the joke a little more than they would be on uh, you know Crazy from the Heat or whatever the hell it's called again. Uh, <laughs> what, what is it called? I, why do, crazy nights? Yeah, crazy, shade, crazy nights. That's David Lee yeah. Roth, I, I think. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're thinking of David Lee Roth. Lee Roth, it's his fault, right? Um, but. Um, but no, I, I think that album is the is the you know if we're gonna still be in this lane, it's it's like White Snake and Motley Crue and Poison and everybody made their best music then. So as that hair metal book that you mentioned, Big Book of Hair Metal, ends in 1991, I I uh, kind of regretted not going into 82 and 83 because I think some of the greatest hair metal albums 
are in 92 and 93 because that's when that's when uh these guys said we we got to be way better than than we were and and just to follow up on your point on carnival the thing is with kiss we all understand that they are really chasing a trend when they do something like that but i don't mind the outcome and i and and i think i even had an episode that's right i had an episode of my podcast on hair metal goes grunge I remember and that I, one. Yep. And I include I think I did include Carnival of Souls in that one because all you know a bunch of these bands tried to jump on that bandwagon uh with yep. varying results but I almost always as I said in that episode almost always appreciated the effort because I would rather hear them trying to do that kind of music a little bit than than give us another ridiculous hair metal album and and Kiss I mean I think basically four of the five last Kiss albums I think are really really good and that one included. Wow. Now I've got a question. We we recently had uh with other fellow podcasters, we did a live stream, and one of our topics was hair metal. What is hair metal? Who what band is, are considered hair metal? And you know, some of the things we would say is like Kiss and Aerosmith had hair metal periods and White Snake as well, but they're not, I wouldn't consider them a hair metal band. So when you throw out top hair metal bands, I wouldn't say White Snake, Aerosmith, Kiss. I'd say they had their period. I'd love to hear from you. Obviously, a much more of an expert opinion. What is the definition to you, hair metal? Well, so it's eighty three to ninety one essentially, mostly California bands or bands that moved to California. Forget putting the UK in this thing. I mean, it just does not exist. Um, you know, a few Canadian bands tried it as well. Who cares? Um, but basically, um, basically, it's uh, it's it's party rock. It's about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's a good technical singer, usually with somewhat of a high voice. Usually you see kind of a good guitar player, a good guitar hero in there. There's a lot of guitar heroes across the hair metal uh, uh, genre. You get good expensive production with uh, with some some 80s tropes to that production. You get big, you know, big wet drum sounds and big loud you know snare drums. You get a lot of, you know, very meticulous editing. Um Obviously, you get the big teased hair look. You get the uh, you get the uh, cowboy on the sunset strip look with the uh, with the pink chiffon cowboy outfit and, and the white cowboy boots or whatever, right? Um, you know, you get scarves and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose a true hair metal band is a band that that basically came into bloom in 1983 and was maybe gone later or stuck to what they did. So, so that, you know, the, the quintessential hair metal bands, I think are the likes of quiet riot and, uh, and Dawkin and Motley Crue and poison and Cinderella and warrant and guns and roses. I'll put in there. People complain when I say that, wow, you know, okay. true Tom, you say, you know, they, they ushered in the dirty hair metal phase, as I say yep. in that book. Right. So you've got yep. guns and roses then Skid Row, you've got Love, Hate, and Badlands, and and a little bit of Kiss with the unshaven look on uh, on Revenge, right? Um, so so that's so that's what I call you know dirty hair metal. But I mean, I, I see no difference between Appetite and for Destruction and myriad uh, hair metal albums. I don't I don't care. They're a hair metal band. Um, wow. And Motley Crue even complains that they're called a hair metal band, but there's so much a hair metal band. Granted, <laughs> they were in there early, right? That's the thing. They were in there doing this 81, whatever. But, but the key bands, I think, 
that caused all this are Kiss, Aerosmith, and Van Halen, and then Motley Crue. So those are those are your four bands that arrived before beforehand. Uh, but you know, Van Halen basically arrived fully formed a hair metal band before anybody thought of what hair metal is. So from '78 to '83, Van Halen like gave us all their golden material. But look at them—they were essentially they established the look and the sound and the and the front man and the guitar hero and all that stuff. Um, for this. So hope hope that's good enough definition for you. It is. And I want to jump out because we did a bonus uh episode recently and that was for another one of those uh life altering albums from both me and Tom when we were both about 10 years old and that was Pyromania. And I we kind of talked about that this was almost like the blueprint and what I think would become hair metal, the big vocals, catchy choruses, the hooks the guitar god, blonde guitar god, and that Pyromania album, I think, and the songs on there is what I think a lot of those LA bands took. Like, hey, we can be ACDC with hooks, but good-looking guys, and attract a female audience like Def Leppard is actually doing. And that kind of ushered in. So when you talked about, which is fascinating, the you know Van Halen, the Kiss, the Aerosmith. I would throw Def Leppard in there. Yeah, too. I know. I don't know why I always forget Def Leppard. Probably because they're English. <laughs> yeah, and and you know they have this past that means way more to me than than you know I I hate hysteria and adrenaline. Yeah, we've heard. Right, I love, <laughs> but but I mean I lo- I I quite like Pyromania and I love the first two albums. So to me, I always think of them as a new age British heavy metal band. But you're right, um, the big vocals, the production. Um, you know, their songs, I mean, I, I, I feel like the songs there are a little different than a hair metal band, but I always remember being right there on the spot. And to me, there's just this triumvirate of like a, a Quiet Riot record and a Dawkins record and a Rat record at the same time. MTV is just exploding. I just always think of L.A. essentially yep. for, for this whole thing. Yeah. So circling back, circling back to Kiss about this, I feel like Kiss is one of those bands, and, and, and you know, and I and I think it's all due to to Paul Stanley. I think if Kiss's career started with Lick It Up, if they if their first album was Lick It Up, and then you know they did Animalize and Asylum, I think Kiss still could have been one of the top hair metal bands of the '80s. I think I think Paul is the consummate frontman. He loves the camera. He's a good looking guy. He's got the moves. He's got the catchy hooks, the chorus, the tongue-in-cheek, the, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So e- even though sometimes, in, including myself, I said it, where it, it sounds like they were following things, I, I think that that was kind of the natural you know, trajectory of, of, of what bands were doing at that time. Because, you know, the early 80s was the new wave of British heavy metal. You had the real, you know, the hard and heavy, you know, Priest and Maiden and Metallica, the birth of Thrash. Kiss isn't going to do that. So they kind of did their creatures of the night. Lick it up was kind of a was a was a heavy album, but I think it made sense for them to follow that that trajectory through the eighties. And like you said, it, it, some of their best stuff, and I think they were very very successful with it. Yeah, I mean, if if you look at the the you know the the uh, mountain of gold and platinum albums, I mean, they they essentially are still in the top ten or fifteen of bands you know sailing through that era. They're doing a great job. They're doing fine, right? Yeah. Um, so they have a pretty big career at it. And, you know, we something we didn't address. I mean, they literally are, you know, looks-wise and image-wise, they're almost 
more hairband than every other hairband. They're they're as extreme as anybody, if not more extreme than all of them. With the with the little you know the purple fringe hanging down and all that. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> guys dress in a hair metal style. Kiss wore hair metal costumes, right? Oh God. I mean, yeah. it's, it's literally they're they're beyond just having a style. They're they're literally all right. We're gonna we're the guys who invented costumes. We're gonna wear a costume now, and um, <laughs> but you know, but I look at other bands. I think other bands. Yeah, you know, there's a few other that kept their integrity better than Kiss at this time, and that would be, I think Aerosmith did not really change too much about themselves during the 80s, and they did amazing at it. And then a band like ACDC really didn't change yeah. anything about yeah. themselves. You know, you you do get you do get Angus in a in a purple suit, and his hair is a little poofier at what you know at, for one or two photos, right? But um, but you know, other than that, uh, basically, uh, they they didn't they stuck to their guns a little more, but pretty much everybody else uh did did uh you know 70 to 85 percent of what kiss did anyways that includes scorpions and judas priest you know but judas priest really didn't change their sound except for maybe one record um but scorpions changed the sound somewhat but again yes i guess their sound didn't really change that much they certainly tried the look judas priest tried the look uh you know ozzy tried the look but didn't really oh, yeah. just sound i mean i mean his records still sounded like good heavy ozzy records right so a lot of bands um you know kiss was just a natural to to do this and try this both musically and look wise but a lot of other guys didn't uh didn't dive right in. Alice dove kind of right in. Alice definitely dove in. Cheap Trick even in their own way dove in somewhat. Hart dove in somewhat their own way. So um, yeah, you could almost say that um, that that Kiss, out of all the seventies bands, committed themselves to it more than any other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now a big controversial uh, thing about Kiss these days is the whole replacement players. Basically, uh, we've heard everything from fake Ace or fake Fraley, Cheater Chris, to <laughs> Kiss Light. What was it? Kiss Light? Diet, Diet Kiss. Hit, Diet Kiss. What are your thoughts about Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer now in the Spaceman, Catman makeup and performing with Kiss? I thought you were going to go to uh, the replacement of Paul and Gene here, but oh, uh, no. I have no. <laughs> let's not talk about that horror story. If that I, I have no problem with with Eric and Tommy. Eric has a long history, and Tommy's history is probably what is it now? Ten or fifteen years. It's it's two great records and a, and a long history, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I, I have no problem. A, I have no problem with them in the band. I mean, nobody should because bands change members all the time. Kiss, if anybody has, is on the lower lower level uh, rung of how many members have floated through the band, right? They're they're not that inconsistent with their membership from seventy two or whatever it is all the way up to now, right? Um, but uh, but I have no problem with them in there, and uh, you know, the costumes are such a super superfluous thing to even worry about or talk about. Um, that I don't care that they're in the same makeup as the other two guys, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I think more interesting is, is, is can we slowly replace Gene and Paul over time, right? Um, which, which would be pretty cool. I mean, imagine Kiss going for the next 300 years if uh, if climate change doesn't kill us first, wouldn't that be cool, right? Um, yeah. because I, I look at 
at Leonard Skinner, right? I mean, it's like Leonard Skinner is like like the frog boiling in the pot doesn't realize that that the band is totally different. Soon as Gary Rossington is gone, they could still continue on. And then, um, but the key is always you have to have a singer that's ten years younger than the rest of the guys because the voice is the is the um, you know the uh, the instrument that's hard to replace here. But and so unfortunately, Tommy is as old as they are, right? Essentially, uh, right? I think he's no, he's, he's about. Well, Seven he's, to ten years, some. Oh, I thought he was quite old. I no, thought he he's a, he's old. yeah, he's a little bit younger. Paul and Gene are right about seventy. Eric Singer, I believe, is the youngest, and Tommy is 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 a little bit younger than Paul and Gene as well. But yeah. yeah, so so it'll be interesting. I mean, I I would love to just watch it happen and see how much fun it is. But but it would be it's it's not. I mean, we've we've seen Foreigner and Thin Lizzy or whatever, like millions and millions of bands uh, can can have radical radical uh, changes in their membership, and um, you know who's to say one at a time Paul and Gene can't go? Yeah, it, I would see Paul go first probably just because yeah. of the vocal issues that he's having, and Gene can still. You know, as as far as we know from the concert that we just saw this year, the two of them, that Gene is still top notch. He can still perform. But you, it's funny because you said like, "Well, who cares about that?" Oh, Kiss fans do care about who's wearing what the makeup. Yeah, and I, uh, I can I can only imagine what it's going to be like if someone says, "Yeah, this is the new Star Child. His name is uh, you know, Bob Johnson." <laughs> Welcome. You know, but the neat thing is be chaos. The, the neat thing is is that we can all we can all there's always that asterisk and you can argue that, you know, these are these are characters up there way more than the average rock star who doesn't have any makeup on, right? So it it's kind of neat that way that 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 with KISS, you know, they they can and they will put up the argument that they are replaceable. And and it's cool when Paul and Gene you know prod at that, right? Um because yeah, I mean Hey, hey, like I, I think it would be pretty wild to just see Kiss continue forever. You know, like literally just just be a troop that continues for hundreds of years. <laughs> see, I, I think when when Paul talks like that to me, I think it kind of diminishes the individuality that he that Paul Stanley brings to the band because I've seen a, a ton of concerts over my lifetime, and I've seen. I've seen original band members. I've seen, then I've seen a band, you know, like, like Dawkin without George Lynch. I've seen rat without Warren D Martini. I can tolerate that. But when I've seen those bands, the front man is still there. You know, Stephen Piercy is still singing. Don Dawkin is still singing. Tom Kiefer was still fronting Cinderella bands like that. I, I can deal with, with, yeah. with, with Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer F- for me to go see kiss without Paul Stanley you're really talking about a, a, a you're talking about a cover band. A yeah, cover I know. Band. Obviously, this is an extreme extreme oh, example. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I always say in this situation is, if you're going to replace the lead singer, um, he's got to earn his place there, earn his stripes. So, yeah. a John Davison from Yes, or a, or a Todd Latour, La Latour, right? Todd Latour. Uh, Latour, yeah, yep. uh, from Queensryche. I mean, the idea is if you were in there for a few years and you're in there writing and you're doing stuff, I mean, Todd's even drumming for the band, for God's yep. sake. I mean, I love that. I mean, that, I think that's cool. So you earn your stripes, new fans come up, a bunch of guys that are 12 and 13 years old. I mean, I know a lot of people who think Black Sabbath, the most legitimate lineup is the one that made Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. That Those are their favorite Black Sabbath albums. Like Ronnie is the singer of Black Sabbath. So as time goes on, um, you know, if if that happens, uh, you know, say some guy comes in and replaces Paul, 
and and he writes all the songs on five records in a row and and all the kiss fans at a concert are are 20 year old kids like who's to say that that's not legitimate at that and, point? I, and, and you bring up a good point i was just going to say that if if they did get a new star child they would have to write new records because you can't yeah. get a you can't get a new star child and go out there and tour the do the nostalgia tour with yeah. Detroit Rock City and Strutter and Rock and Roll Night that that would yeah. never that would never work. Right. Um, but if they did, you know, but like like we we saw we were lucky enough to see Kiss on the second leg of the U.S. tour before the the virus took over. Um, like Zoo said, Gene was still kicking ass, seventy years old, just sounding great, playing great. Paul looks good. But Paul is clearly struggling and you wonder, you know, how much more um, he has left. And it's, you know, whether or not he's using tracks or getting help, who cares? But even even if that he's he's still struggling a little bit. So, you know, with the virus going on, I think people are worried that we may never see Kiss again. Um, you know, if, and, and God help us if that's the case. But if it is, at least we got to see them one last time. Yeah. Well, like all these bands, I mean, you know, obviously the virus puts puts a whole different spin on the on the concert industry. But I've been I've been talking with bands and managers of bands like you guys. You got to figure out more things to sell as mail order products, number one. But number two, like who's to stop? Paul has one of the greatest voices in rock and roll. And he obviously you can make a record with Paul. Yes. Um, So why not? You know, I would love to see another one or two kiss records i don't care if they ever play live again that doesn't matter to me to me the most important thing that's going to last forever is is records so i wish these guys would just go out and make some records um but one other point i wanted to make i mean when you bring up gene and paul one of the great things about kiss obviously is they had four great voices in the band three great singers but four great voices and uh, and, um, you know, and now Paul is uh, obviously he's he's losing the ability to sing um, and, you know, I, I guess partially losing the great voice as well. But I mean, he still has a great voice. Like I say, he could put that voice on a record. But I mean, one of the great things is, yeah, Gene, I love Gene's voice. I love the way he sings. I love Peter's voice and the way he sings. I love Ace's voice. Not so much the way he sings, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, but they all have amazing voices, all different from each other, all super unique in rock and roll. That's the cool thing about Kiss. So that that's one of the things that I think uh, as given given the you know um, given the personality's personality, but given you know the 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 sound of the vocals personality and allowed them to uh, imbue more personality into those songs that they sang on the on the albums. One thing that our podcast is known for is that we each have our favorite member. Tom is a big Gene guy, and I am the big Peter guy, who I, I get uh, the much maligned Peter Chris. I get a lot of shit for liking him. I love his voice. I think it, that raspy voice, and I thought he brought a little badassery to the band, a little bit of rebelness to the band where the other guys are pretty straight and stuff. I mean, you know, Ace is a, obviously he's got his craziness too, but the guy who's, you know, a little bit ornery, the, yeah. the drummer. And yeah. I'm just curious to know what your thoughts are on Peter the the drummer obviously in the early the early albums and uh just his his career yeah you know he is the ornery guy he is he is the badass he's the guy that's a little scary right he's and and ace like you say ace is scary but more like oh what you know how is ace gonna screw up now but peter's like the hoodlum right and it's really cool and i just love his voice i mean he to me he's like the the secret weapon the roger taylor of the band right um same kind of voice both drummers 
Um, no, I, I'm not. I'm not crazy. I, I don't hear a lot of great drumming that I that I love or I even remember as signature drumming across uh, too many of those records. So it's not so much the drumming. I would say um, I love that he kind of did participate a little bit in songwriting. That's kind of cool. Um, so um, yeah, I mean that's that's about it on Peter. Obviously, the career is is a train wreck because <laughs> because like. <laughs> Chris, number one, cat one, whatever the yeah. heck it's called, right? Yeah. yeah. Makeup and the and then the other one, the Peter Chris for you or whatever it's called, all for you. What is it called? That record. All for one? All for, is it all is for one? Oh I can't even I, I remember, that's, I'm drawing a blank too. Can't even remember now. No career whatsoever, right? <clears throat> yep, I mean it's yep. just it's just been a disaster. And of course the, the solo album is the least liked of the four from nineteen. I love it. I love that <laughs> album. It's well, it different. is liked. I'm just saying generally out there. If you, yeah, you took, yeah, no, no. It's yeah. different. You know, it's a different sound. It wasn't a Kiss record. It was yeah. a different record. But I yeah. liked it because his voice. He can yeah, sing but, okay, you whatever like, he wants. You liked it. It is different. It pulls the worst. But also, it's probably bad anyways. It's probably just not <laughs> good, right? That's, that's the other thing, right? That could be one way of looking at it, not the correct way. You can like yeah. it, but it's not good. That's true. <laughs> um, that is true. Yeah, but uh, and then and then Ace obviously has uh, you know he's been very prolific and he's made some great records. I mean, I, I love the way Ace he's he's not Michael Shanker. He hasn't done what Michael Shanker has done with his amazing track record of killer solo material. But Ace's material is as good as a lot of Kiss material. Um, so I think Ace has had a great career on the side. Um, so that's that's really cool. I love the way he's periodically cleaned himself up and just gone out there and made a record he's he's been semi-prolific uh th throughout this time right so yeah so yeah all, all kudos to ace for doing that so before we let you go um i i have covered a lot of stuff with kiss specifically in uh the, the era of that music uh generally so i have to ask you this because looking through your the all the books that you've written all the bands that you've covered whether they're rock bios or the album reviews tell me why haven't you done a kiss book and are you going to ever do a kiss book? Well, the, the short answer to that, well, I mean, it's a very thorough answer. So number one, I've not got a lot of my own interviews with the guys, okay. <clears throat> just uh, okay. maybe, you know, all told all kiss members, maybe eight or nine interviews. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not 20. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, They've all written books themselves. Number three, on top of the all written books themselves, there are probably, uh, you know, 30 other books. And uh, some of those are very, very, very in-depth. They're the kind of thing I would do if I was doing a Kiss book. I do have a shelved thing. Uh, I thought if I was ever going to do anything that was uh, like I would never do an autobiography. I think I've led a very boring life. It's <laughs> it, nobody needs to hear about it. But um, the cool thing is, is I thought, wow, you know, I, I was there from the first Kiss album to the end. And I've been there with all their changes and seen all the things they've done. I, I actually started writing a memoir of myself next to kiss or growing up with kiss so it was like it was like 40 percent autobiography 60 percent commentary on kiss and all the things they went through because they basically followed a ton of trends and and established trends and did things and participated all throughout my entire 
life since I was 11 years old. And, and I was there owning every Kiss album and watching them the whole way. So I have this shelved project that I may finish one day that is this weird thing about it, essentially a book about growing up with Kiss. I see. So that that's the that's the long and short of it. It's all been done. Nobody needs me to do it. Oh, see, that's see, that's that's <laughs> yeah. where I that, that's that's where I differ, because as I'm as we're talking, I'm staring at my my books and I have like you said, there's a million kiss books. They each wrote their own. And then there's all different background books. But, yeah. you know, hearing hearing your perspective and your your honesty on 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 it. I mean, you know, I'm one person. I would buy a Martin Popoff Kiss book in a in a second, but I'd love I'd love to see it because um, I've read the Rush books. Like I said, I have the hair metal. I have a couple other books. So uh, if you ever find the energy and the desire to put one together, there's the, you know Kiss fans love to consume Kiss material. So it yeah, would be it would, you know, it, would, it would be fun to read. It it would be inspired probably like like I've done two kinds of books that I could see doing a Kiss book on. One was the Led Zeppelin, all the albums, all the songs, and the Clash, all the albums, all the songs, where I basically talk about every single song in detail. But I believe that's been done for Kiss, so put that aside for a second. Second is I did these five album-by-album books on Rush, Maiden, uh, who else, Uh, Pink Floyd, ACDC, Queen. So that is where we get experts like you guys together and basically, um, you know, uh, have a Q&A on every studio album and just and just talk it through. Right. So that's beautiful. But that, but that publisher has closed down their music book division. We almost had one going. I mean, they almost approved a Kiss one and we and it never happened. Also a Sabbath one, also a priest one. But they've closed down their music book division. They're beautiful, hardcover, full color throughout books. Um, so there, so I haven't had a deal to do a book for them for, for two or three years now. Um, so I could see doing something like that. Um, you know, me just talking about all the Kiss songs and Kiss albums. I mean, it's it's a little interesting, but... And and it's similar to what I've done before. But again, my, my enthusiasm goes down a little bit because there have been multiple experts, way more expert than me, who have kind of even already done that. So that's kind of the problem with that, I think. OK, yeah. All right. That's the a good answer. Would, yeah. The only thing I would add to that is, though, the thing that I feel like you would bring to that is your perspective on not just Kiss, but your knowledge of the music other than kiss going on at that time yeah you can bring that in whereas the other books that we all have and love those guys were kiss fanatics and maybe like some other music but with your knowledge and you can be talking about a million other bands that you're familiar with the scene the music the background and all that stuff i think that would bring some perspective to a kiss book that's not really out there and yeah like tom said we all love kiss so yeah we're buying it regardless even if it was bad (laughs) Well, so, thanks. Yeah. Even though it stinks, that is pretty interesting. We may like it. Yeah, that that is really interesting because that's what I found that I was doing a lot of in this shelved project. It was yeah. basically where Kiss fit in with where Kiss fit in with all of the music culture at the time. There's like literally six or seven different eras that you could talk about around Kiss, right? So yeah, that that's kind of the point you're making. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Martin, we cannot thank you enough for taking some time of your busy schedule on a, on a Saturday morning. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. Um, we're happy that we're all part together of the, the, the great Pantheon family in case there are any people out there listening to us who, for some unknown reason, aren't familiar with Martin Popov or where to find you. Can you plug your website, your podcast or, or any other information where people can go, go in and check you out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say, you know, 
most of my income in a year comes from the mail order of my own books. So definitely please go to martinpopoff.com. Anything that's in print, I have my office is stacked full of boxes of them. I sign them, ship them all out of here. There's PayPal buy now buttons for U.S., international and Canada. For everything that's in print, there's full descriptions of all the books there. Um, so I do have a podcast along with you guys, same family, Pantheon, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We've got a YouTube show called The Contrarians, um, where we, uh, if we if we think a band's uh, a really unthought of album was is their favorite album by that band, you know, the guy has to argue that album as that band's greatest album. So that's what nice. The Contrarians is all about. Um, I'm on I'm on uh, Banger you know, fairly regularly with Overkill Rewind, where we look at the top five albums of a certain year. I've done 82, 80, 77, 70, 78, 79, um, but other things uh, on, on Banger as well. And that's pretty much about it. There is the new Rush book. I had a Saxon book come out the same time as the Rush book. Merciful Fate book is still in print. I'm in the middle of a third Iron Maiden book, so there's going to be a trilogy of Iron Maiden books. Um, yeah, that's about it. Martinpopoff.com for uh, for all your uh, Martin Popoff book needs. Awesome. Yeah, and do, do you ship to Australia? Because it's funny, because when we had a talk with Christian, the head of our uh, Pantheon podcast, it's like, for some reason, you guys are really big in Australia. What's that all about? I'm like, that's a kiss thing. It's not a shout it out loud cast thing. Yeah. And so I'm curious, do you ship to Australia? Oh, because absolutely. we have a lot of listeners there. Lots of Australia. I've shipped to Hong Kong and Japan and India and Israel and all over the place. Uh, you know, South Africa, nowhere else in Africa ever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll ship. Australia is uh, very, very easy. And yeah, and, and the, you know, the prices with shipping all over the world are not that bad because I have this really cool mailing system uh set up that's a little hard Sweet. to get in but yeah I, I don't think the prices are too unreasonable for australia even right. awesome and, and 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 every and before we let you go every week i say it we talk about pantheon and i've been touting your podcast for somebody who i if somebody that loves the history of rock and the format of your podcast is so interesting for the people that aren't familiar please history and five songs martin takes a topic and uses five songs to illustrate that. And it it's just, I look forward to it every week. I love the one that you just did about synth. Um, just great stuff. And again, we, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time. We, we, we appreciate picking your brain and talking kiss and music in general, Martin. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank, thank you so guys. Much. Very cool. We can do it again. Anytime you want. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you, Martin. So Ta- much. Take care. Be safe. Okay. Yep. You too. Take okay. care. So we're back. Um, that was uh, Martin Popoff. What do you think? It was awesome. Like I said, you know, just talking to somebody like him about Kiss and getting his insights on specific things about the band's history, their place in history. Um, you know, talking about how they, you know, we we always like to talk about this topic about them, you know, being leaders and then kind of becoming followers. Um, you know, it, it was just a really interesting conversation getting his perspective because he's not a die-hard Kiss fan. You know, he's a rock and metal fan, so hearing more of a general perspective from somebody who respects the band knows the band but isn't like a diehard like us um and just hearing his thoughts it was just it was it was great yeah and so the funny thing about it is tom that you knew him better than i did and i know he's into like you know the type of rock metal fan that is a huge iron maiden black sabbath dio kind of guy yep my thoughts were always like he's one of those that are like oh kiss that's silly he's not He's not. He enjoys it. So a couple of things I found from this interview, hilarious and great. The story he told us about how all of a sudden he had a party and it was like a dance party when oh, he was yeah. younger. 
And then all of a sudden someone brought Kiss Alive on and he became like a sausage fest and the yeah. chicks all like took off. Like That was awesome. That was a hilarious story because I can imagine that whole scene. Yeah, that was good. And the other thing that was great about it, he is, he couldn't be nicer. And oh, it's yeah. awesome that you get to meet these people. We've had other people on that you're like, oh, they're big stars or this and that. Couldn't have been nicer. Sweet as hell. So proud that we are partners with him on Pantheon. He was like, went, yeah, I'd love to do this. Yeah. Uh, what time do you guys want? Sure. I'm yours. What do you want? No, you know, there's no parameters, anything. He was just like, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you guys. And it was just a guy talking about rock music with other guys. It was fantastic. Sweet as can be. As I said, um, I, I love the few things from this. I want to bring up. I, I, you know, we had a, the live cast, the live stream that we did with the other guys in Potter Than Hell and Growing Up Rock. And we did our first, I think, well, what is hair metal? Here's the, like, the foremost writer and most knowledgeable guy in rock music, a journalist, that this is all he does. And I asked him the definition, what is hair metal? Yep. And it kind of fit what we were talking about, at least what I thought was hair metal. Yep. That was interesting. Um, I found what the other one was. When I asked him about Peter Chris, he's like, ah, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big fan, but whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I disagreed with him about the production. He was talking about the producers because I still think Hotter Than Hell, if it was produced better, would be such a bigger, bigger um, feeling for Kiss fans, like yep. more of a the top two or three. Uh, at least favorite albums by Kiss fans, but that production brings it so low. Yeah. Um, and then he also he also brought. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Nope, no, no, no. Finish that thought. I was, was just going to say that. it was. Yeah, talking about the production and, and I, I, you know, you disagreed with him on some of his thoughts with Harder Than Hell, and then I I ended up kind of agreeing with him on some of his thoughts on Creatures of the Night because yeah. kind of on board with how I understand people love it and the big bombastic Eric Carr drum sound, and to me that's the thing that. You know, as a little kid, I loved it, but now I'm like, I don't really want to hear that. And, you know, he kind of had some interesting things to say about that production because most Kiss fans are like, oh, Creatures of the Night, greatest sounding Kiss record ever. So just different perspectives like that. And like you said, with Harder Than Hell, just, uh, you know, good, good stuff. Just right in our wheelhouse, just talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he seemed to love the whole Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons production of Animal Eyes and things like that. Yep. yep. Um, stuff that wasn't really. Haven't been list- haven't heard much of, and he gave his opinion. Obviously, his opinion matters. Yeah. Uh, I found that the other great part about this interview is talking about the Kiss book, and us trying to be like, "Come on, just do it." At the end, and we talked about it, and we were, you know, I think what I, I as we told him, like, what would make it different? He said, "There's a lot of great Kiss books out there. What am I doing this thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, but it's different because those books, I'm guys that have niche with Kiss." You're coming at it from like a journalist perspective and you can put kiss into that huge database in your brain and compare it to what was going on to the other bands in that time. And it'll give it a lot more credibility coming from you versus other books were fantastic, but they're from kiss fans. Right. He's a fan, but he's not like a crazy fan. Insane. Insane. Crazy. No. And, uh, yeah, we we're like, just do it, do it, do it. I know we're like, do it. You can do it. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, if you need, if you need Kiss diehards to be a consultant, uh, we'll, we'll help you. You know, we'll yes. we'll be involved because because I said to him at the very end, I said, Martin, I said, I gotta ask you. I said, we have you on here. 
you have written books about pretty much every major rock and metal band in the U.S. and Europe and everything, but you've never done anything on Kiss. And like you said, his his answers were, you know, they've all been done, and I don't know what I can add. And like we said, yeah, but you're Martin Popoff. People want to read what you have to say about Kiss. Exactly, so exactly. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get his wheels spinning, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, it sounded like he did because we I talked a little bit about it off off the air. So yep. hopefully, fingers crossed. That'd be fantastic. Yep. Um, any other last thoughts on this? No, it was just a. It was. It was. It was a thrill for me personally because talking to a guy and looking at the my bookshelf as I'm talking to him, I'm like, this. It's just. It was just. It was a very cool thing to be able to talk to a guy whose books I own, and it was. Uh, if I, I fanboyed a little bit, but that's okay. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, <laughs> you. You weren't that bad though. You know. You, yeah. You had it under control, but big time. And that was yep. a big thing for Tom, and he's a big fan of Martin's, and I am as well. So. Uh, that was great. Now, yep. what we usually do from here, answer a question. Yep. So we got a we got a, a bunch to a bunch to uh, pull from here. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe mailbag episode in the future. Who knows? Yeah. But this is a this is a good one from a, a big fan of the show. Interacts with us a lot. Um, Lance Lumley. This yes. is a good. Yeah. This is a good one here. He says. Uh, hello, guys. We know that during the 80s, Gene was off making movies, and he admitted that he was not very focused on some of the albums. I love the non-makeup years, but do you think if the roles were reversed and Paul was the one out doing movies and TV, would the albums be heavier if Gene was in charge? I'm playing What If. How do you think the albums would have sounded if roles were reversed? Interesting um, question. I'm not sure because... At that time, Gene was still finding himself. Didn't know how to act without the demon makeup. I thought he was fine on Lick It Up. But from there, afterwards, he wasn't very comfortable in the non-makeup. So would that have been different if he was more focused? I'm not sure on that. And and I'm not too sure about Paul Stanley making it as an actor after some of the scenes on Phantom of the Park at the park. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not sure about that. I think he would probably still be, you still get the mixed bag that you got. Gene is, uh, is somebody that I feel can always multitask. So although he was kind of checked out a little, as they say, would it have been that much better? I still think he was teetering between, do I write in a, the demon, like the badass, or... Do I just do, you know, the, you know, the suck me, fuck me music that was going on with the hair bands in the 80s? But that also could have been a product of what Lance said about of Gene being not focused. So let, let's let's if Gene was focused, because you're right. After Lick It Up, there was no more demon until Revenge. Those 80s, those the rest of those 80s albums, there was no demon. Gene was still tracing. He was I think he chased the trends more than Paul did. Uh, oh, we got to follow this. Oh, we got to follow this. Oh, we got to do this type. Probably. So I think he still would have been to suck me, fuck me, but he can't pull off the look. Couldn't do the glam look. No, no. But but so, I, I I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, Gene. It's a good question. It, it is a good question, and it's a difficult one to answer. And for all we know, that could be a whole freaking episode. You play the what yeah. if game, because I, I don't know. I don't. I think I think I know, you know, the question is, you know, if Paul, if Gene was more focused, but it's kind of hard to answer because we've never seen Gene be focused and be the leader. It's always 
he always is kind of riding alongside Paul. So I, I don't I don't know what to expect. I don't think we would have seen things that much different than what we got. Maybe we would have avo- been able to avoid murder in high heels. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. And uh, the other thing is, even if Paul was away, he's still controlling Kiss. I he does not have the personality to hmm. be like, yeah. Right. Why don't you just take over and I'll just follow what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't see that, that happening, but. But that's a thank you, Lance. That's a great question. It's a great what if. Um, and we, like you said, we could probably spend a lot more time talking about that. So th- thank you for that one. Definitely. Where can people find us? Uh, we're all over the social media, as you guys know that. We're uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email at shoutitoutloudcast at email.com. Uh, we're on, you know, at Gmail. What did I say? Email. Com- oh, an email. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My email is Tom at email. email. Yeah. Gmail.com. <laughs> and then we're on, we're on all the podcast platforms everywhere. If for some reason we're not on the one that you prefer, let us know and we'll see what we can do, but we're everywhere. Um, and then also, you know, part of the Pantheon podcast network, like we always say with our buddy, Martin, and, uh, you know, we always like to have people go visit our buddy Ed at click shop.com click shop.com for, Awesome shout it out loudcast gear as well as awesome kiss inspired gear. Um Ed keeps putting out new products, new uh designs. So check out our buddy Ed at clicktshop.com. Yep, and then always those five star child star. reviews. Um we've gotten a few lately uh on uh, iTunes, which we greatly appreciate. We got a few on podchaser.com. So go to podchaser.com, stitcher.com. You know, iTunes, those reviews help. We've got a few. We'll read one of them in a little bit. But I also want to have Tom, why don't you review the, we had one on Facebook as well. Facebook, if you guys don't know, Facebook has uh, something called a Facebook recommendation. So it's it's kind of like uh, d- doing an iTunes review or a Podchaser review. And it'll say, you know, Tom recommends so-and-so. And then you you do like a review. So we're very grateful for uh, a listener uh, by the name of Scott Wheeler. He did a Facebook recommendation and he said, these guys are just simply amazing. Show is very entertaining. I find myself walking around laughing out loud. Great insights and kiss trivia. They know their stuff. Scott, thank you so much for stuff like that. I mean, that's just, that's why we do this. And we really appreciate you listening and taking the time for writing something as kind as that. So thank you, Scott. Is he listening to the trivia questions? Because uh, if he was, he'd probably realize he, we don't know half our ass. Well, if he's a new listener, maybe he's catching up and he hasn't gotten to uh, kiss clues with Sonny <laughs> yeah. Pooty. For 10 points, Richard Simmons and I have the same birthday. You and the fucking birthdays, man. You love birthday clues. <laughs> he just loves Richard Simmons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that too. Hey, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, uh, thank you, Scott. That was great. He also thank you. wrote to us on Twitter. Uh, he gave us a quick little blurb here. I'm loving this podcast. Walk around lately laughing, relaying your show on various kiss items to the family. This is simply the best podcast. And then we got one more here, and this is from Naj Savage. Seriously, guys, your banter is legendary. I'm a Brit currently stuck in New York City thanks to Corona. And you guys are making me laugh every day. Now, excuse me while I go and learn how to make Paul Stanley's rigatoni with hot Italian sausage. And you want to throw in your prosciutto? Lyric generator right there. Um, that is awesome, Nige. 
thank you very much for listening. Awesome. Um, love that, you know, sorry you're stuck in New York City because of Corona. We're glad that we're able to, you know, keep you entertained. So I greatly appreciate that. And then we had uh, an iTunes review as well, right? Yep. We got an iTunes review last week and the from the username Pimpin Ho. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I won't hold that against him. And uh, the title is, If You Believe in Rock and Roll. Uh, He says, a great podcast from two hosts who share the role Kiss has played in their entire lives. Lots of fun and some great themed episodes. Check it out. Five stars. Thank you, Pimpin' Ho. (laughs) It got, there was a lot more, and I don't want to just make this us patting each other on the back episode. Do it. There was so much of this the other day after the Paul Stanley episode. The downloads were through the roof. The comments were coming in, the iTunes, that I had to just simply write, like, this is overwhelming. And I wrote that tweet out, just thanking everybody. I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe the feedback we're getting lately. And it was really humbling. So I know that we fuck around and joke a lot and stuff, but honestly, we do this for fun. And to see that you guys get our sense of humor and there's that much love for kiss, like we have for kiss and that get that it's okay to make fun of them once in a while. It's okay to laugh. We're not taking this. Like we're studying, like I say, the Beatles white album. This is kiss. Enjoy it. People have fun, have a sense of humor. So um, I just wanted to bring that part up. Continue with the emails to us at shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Continue with the comments to us, whether it's through a DM, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, interact with us. We love it. We read your emails constantly. We'll try to read some of them on the air in your comments, but please keep it coming. We, we're, we, uh, we're very humbled by this, and we, and we really, really uh, will continue to do our best to keep you guys entertained, especially now during this coronavirus time. Tom, anything you want to add? No, like Zeus said, it's just, uh, you know, like he said, it's it's humbling and we're happy that we can just provide this and that you guys are enjoying it. I mean, it, it's that, that's what this is for. I mean, you know, we're just talking kiss and share your comments, thoughts, feedback, you know, episode ideas. If you have them, who knows, you know, just just stay involved and we want to be a big family with this. So thank you. Yep. Famous last words. Are you superstitious? Live a fantasy. Don't need no ball of crystal to tell you what you see. Nice. Um, a little more recent kiss lyric there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Not not a great song. Good lyrics. Not not a great song. <laughs> we'll save that for the album review, though. Looking out my window, sometimes I wonder. Am I ever gonna get to where I'm going? Gonna go home? Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next summer. Girl, I just don't know. Cause I don't know what that's from. Oh God. Well, uh, all right. On that note. <laughs> just after we go to recommendations saying these guys know their stuff. No, you gotta tell me what it is. I'll tell you. Off the air. No, um, come on. Dude, it's Ace Frilly Snowblind. Oh, you know what? I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I don't know that because that song sucks and the solo album is overrated. 
So I'm proud I don't know that. What a great way to end the episode. Exactly. Um, Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kiss Army. Thank you, everybody. And fuck Ace's solo album. (laughs) Peace out, Girl Scout. Oh, man. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.